Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to worship at the altar of music and comedy. The giddiness and the harmony of a well-crafted comedy song brings great joy in abundance. Join the tinkling talents of David Thames and me, Phil Nickel. Sit back, turn it up, and enjoy Songs in the Key of Laugh. You're listening to Songs in the Key of Laugh. My name is Phil Nickel. And I'm David Timms. Thanks for listening to our podcast, guys. And all the regular listeners, thanks for tuning back in. It's really great. We've been receiving so much uh, great feedback from everyone. Uh, it's really making my little tiny heart glow. It is um, something that made my little tiny heart glow. Um, and I, I, I'm not going to mention this too many times, I promise. Okay. But last week, right. the Tim Minchin episode. Ah, yes, well. Now... It was, it was, it, it, ah, it really warmed my cockles. Yes. It did. I bet. And I'm, uh, I listened to it again. Did you? Um, yes. And when I listened to it again, um, I had the same reaction to his beautiful song. Well, if you end. haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to it. It's episode five of Songs of the Key of Laugh. And you can listen to Songs of the Key of Laugh if you're not already on songsofthekeyoflaugh.com. Um, this week's episode, uh, we've got, we're talking to Richard Thomas and Suze Kempner. You may have heard the name Richard Thomas because he wrote Jerry Springer, The Opera, with Stuart Lee. And the guy's a fantastic musician. And Suze Kempner, if you haven't heard of her, is just an up-and-coming musical comedian. She does uh, amazing musical tributes to people. And uh, and she's just a really, really lovely, funny woman. Um, she's got a great voice. She's got a great voice. And we're going to have our comedy song competition. We're going to be, uh, we're going to be, doing the quick fire parody game which never goes well it never goes well at all but uh i've got a, i've got a, such a good feeling about this week uh, i said yeah. that last week <laughs> <laughs> but before we do that here's a little clip of what the interview sounded like this is suze kempner and richard thomas oh the sky is blue and the grass is green billions live in poverty but not the queen thank you much uh <laughs> this one's called uh, love song number one This one's, uh... Uh, Dave and I have been talking about comedy songs that we heard when we were younger in, in our youth and things that kind of affected us. And um, as you know, David, I because I was raised in that sort of a more devout Christian family, uh, which was a Scottish family. So it was a great sense of fun and humor that went around the family. It wasn't like quiet and it wasn't tragic. It was kind of fun. My, my, my little Scottish mom, she's she's one of these wee Scottish church ladies, you know, sort of wee lady that ch- ch- chats a wee all the time. You know, sort of wee lady, don't, don't you have to talk back to her. She'll just keep the conversation going. In fact, if she hears this podcast, she'll probably be on the phone and be going, what are you doing making fun of me, Philip? I'm your mother. Well, you'll miss me when I'm gone. You'll miss me when I'm gone. So, so, my, is, that a good, is that a good impression? I, I hope so, because she's going to be really angry anyway. But, <laughs> but my, my mother was a great sense of, had a great sense of fun. And she had all these really daft, daft songs that I guess, I guess they have a Scottish background. I don't really know where this one's from. If anyone knows where this song is from, I'm right into us at songsinkeyoflaugh at gmail.com and let me know what goes like this. It goes, well, you can't throw your granny off the bus. No, you can't throw your granny off the bus. Oh, you can't throw your granny. Cause she's your mommy's mommy No, you can't throw your granny off the bus uh, I like that song, Phil. Um, I also, uh, I, I remember singing lots of different songs in um, like in nursery and then mm. growing up in singing assemblies and yeah. things. Yeah. Um, and uh, there used to be a song called uh, I've Got a Body, a Very Busy Body, and It Goes Everywhere With Me. Right. Do, do you, have you ever heard of that I've song? I've never heard that one. No, well, okay, but in my head, because I was a three-year-old child, four-year-old child, right. I used to say, 
I've got a potty, a very busy potty, which a potty in in England is where you do a poo poo yeah, or a wee wee. Uh, um, <laughs> so I I would find that hilarious. And uh, I yeah, there you go. But the other song um, that I had in mind is one that actually goes along with the song that you were just singing. What uh, you can't throw a granny off the bus? Yeah, it's it's very very similar. Uh, ilk, right, but it's about um, it's well, it goes like this: Stop the bus, I need a Wee-wee, stop the bus, I need a wee-wee, stop the bus, I need a wee-wee, a wee-wee cup of tea. Yeah, well, there's a lot of influences from um, comic books as well, like the, the the Beano I was allowed to read, or Dandy. Yeah, the Dandy, Dandy yeah. I remember there was a character called Claude Hopper, who a guy, guy like feet like a canoe. I I think that you read an an earlier version of the Beano than <laughs> I did. You're dating myself. I, I yeah. I mean, well, my, I my favorite myself. is probably De- Dennis the Menace. Dennis Menace. Yeah. Oh, Ur Willie was the Scottish one. Who's that? Ur Willie. He's like a little blonde boy with spiky hair and and overalls. Ah. And he was from the Brun family. They called the Bruns, and they had they're very famous in Scotland. Okay. Uh, you don't know Ur Willie? Uh, it's, did wait a minute? Did they do? Did they do like a trail? Um, uh, Edinburgh a couple of years ago, they where they had lots of what is it? Ur Willie. Ur Willie. How do yeah. you? Okay. I remember getting all those like all those annuals. Like I got like um, Ur Willie and uh, Doctor Who. Yeah, like, yeah, ever, yeah. Were you, have you ever been a doc, were you a Doctor Who fan? No, I'm. Uh, what, do you know? Do you remember well, the theme song is classic? We're talking about music, musical comedy. Not it's not really a comedy like a comedy song, but it is a classic novelty song. I mean, well, it's got it's got the most classic novelty instrument, hasn't it? Yeah, well, the theremin. The theremin. Yeah, yeah. The ther- I like the theremin. I've got one. You've got one. Yeah. Theremin, I don't know. Okay, here's a little here's a little fun fact for the listeners. Theremin was actually the first electronic instrument. You wouldn't have electric keyboards without the theremin. The really? theremin was used was was by, you know, Dr. Theremin invented it in order to measure the cooling of liquids. Um and so the the sound would go down. That's how I think it was nitrogen. Maybe I'd have to look into that. Um, and then he realized it could be used as an instrument because you put like a volume pedal on it. If you turn that stick, you know the stick of the theremin that you they, you move your hand up to to make yeah. as you get closer to it, the note gets higher. If you turn that on its side, that's what Moog did. Is he turned it on its side, and as you move your fingers up along the the post closer to the to the where the post would be, the notes get higher. And that's how the that's why you're playing an electronic piano now. <sighs> that's um that's Clara Rockmore. Playing Rachmaninoff on a theremin. That's a theremin? You ever heard anything like that? That Sounds is... Sounds like a violin. That's incredible. Now, Bob Moog, who created the synthesizer, um, discovered this. It was an instrument that I think... I've, I don't know if I've said this. Have I said that already? By Leon Theremin, invented it as... I thought it was invented to measure temperatures of chemicals, but it, actually, it was a motion sensor. It was a motion sensor, like a, um, a device... Okay. That's what, what he was studying. He was a physicist. Right. And then he invented this instrument. Clara Rockmore learned how to play it. She'd had some problems in her youth with her hand and wasn't able to play the violin. And on that recording, she's playing along with her sister. So it's pretty cool. And that's what they've used in the Doctor Who theme. That is and And good amazing. vibrations. Good, I mean, yeah. I think, I think uh, Led Zeppelin used it. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty nifty. I mean, and, that's, that's the most beautiful theremin playing I, I've ever heard. Yeah, it's, it's superb. Okay, are you ready to play some theremin? Because we've well, got one. Well, I know we've got one. I, I went. Uh, <laughs> I went over to my my friend's house earlier on. Um, when you said that we might have something to do with theremin, so I thought, okay, I know somebody who has one. Apparently, you okay. do, but you didn't think to bring it. I know. No, I've but... got. I've got a homemade one. Oh, do you? Yeah, I, uh, I bought it at McCary's. Ah. Uh, it's by a guy that makes them down in. Somerset somewhere. Okay, it's like a wooden theremin. Well, we've got a we've got a moog here. Yeah, we've got a moog yeah. theremini. So, um, and this is um, this is the Doctor Who theme. Is it?
<laughs> Phil Nickel on the theremin. Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Doctor Who growing up. I mean, in that song, that's one of the all-time clubs. I, mean, I know it's not technically a comedy song, but it is a novelty song. Oh, well, 100% it's a novelty, song. yeah. It's a theme song. And it's a song that I reckon almost anyone on the earth probably has heard. Well, maybe not everybody. People a, the, a lot of people. I bet even people in the Amazon have heard that song. There's so many different versions of it as well. Yeah. I, I had a little look online earlier on. I did some um, I did some looking up. Yeah. Yeah. And while I was doing some looking up, uh, there was about, I don't know, 40, 50 different versions of this. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. There's, there's a lot. There's there's all, any kind of traditional song, like that. that is, I mean, a, a, an instant classic. I mean, we, we, it's still relevant now, but there are songs like from, you know, traditional English folk songs, like that one. This is one my mum used to sing, actually. It goes, it's like a traditional folk song. I, th I think it's it parodying like a, a, a nursery rhyme called What Can the Matter Be? And it goes, and I think, I think it goes like this way. And it goes, Oh dear, what can the matter be? Three old ladies stuck in the lavatory. They've <laughs> been there from Monday to Saturday. Nobody knows they're there. <laughs> Did you ever heard that one? I don't know this song. Oh, Dear, what can the matter be? Three old ladies stuck in the lavatory. They've been there from Monday to Saturday. Nobody knows they're there. I think that is absolutely that is right funny. down my screen. That's, it's really, really funny. I, in fact, the, the rest, I won't play the rest of the song, but the rest of the lyrics, the rest of the lyrics are this. Look, I got them here. The first one's name is Elizabeth Porter. She went to be rid of some overdue water. She stayed there far long, more than she ought to. Nobody knew she was there. The second one's name is Elizabeth Pomfrey. She went in to make herself really comfy. That said, girls, I can't get my bum free. <laughs> Nobody knew she was there. And the last one is, the last one's name was Elizabeth Carter. She knew she was known as a world-renowned farter. She went in and played a sonata. <laughs> And nobody knew she was there. Oh, dear, what can the matter be? Three old ladies stuck in the lavatory. They've been there from Monday to Saturday. Nobody knows they're there. <laughs> Toilet humor will always win. Oh, Farder Sonata. That is, that is a great rhyme. Now, Phil, it's time for my favourite part of the show, which I know that I say probably for all of the parts. You say for every part, yeah. Yeah, well, okay, well, this is one of my favourite parts of the show. <laughs> um, this is the comedy song contest. Yeah. It is a contest, isn't Not it? A Not competition. a competition. No. Um, so we've been asking you guys to send us in your comedy songs. Um, we've had lots and lots of submissions, but please do send them in. We love to listen to them. We're getting lots and lots of song suggestions in, but we want to hear what your uh, what you do we want to hear your stuff so please do send us in some more songs and you could end up getting played on this podcast so we're going to play you uh, another tune here from eddie hurst this is the phone call Got a phone call yesterday from my phone service provider they said Mr. Hurst, can we help you out in any way? I said, ain't seen my dad in 18 years. Last time saw my mum, she's in floods of tears. I need guidance. Can you tell me what to do? I was thinking, more well, your contract, sir, do you need a new handset? The latest iPhone's out, it's the best one yet. My house burnt down, I lost my job. My wife left me cause she thinks I'm a slob and she's right. And it's true. Sounds to me like you need a counsellor 
I'm just on minimum wage in a call center. If I give you free calls and texts, can I hang up on ya? If you hang up right now, downloads will be free. And that's how you get a phone. You know it is. It really is. Thank you. We're gonna get given a song we know and have to change it up. And make it so hysterical that you win the cup. This game is really easy. Just follow all the rules. The rules are really simple. You're not the quickfire parody game round which is probably one of my least favorite rounds uh as you, you know because everyone's your favorite <laughs> we, this is, we don't do many rounds we don't this do is one of rounds. your least favorite well this one very rarely works out but it's always kind of funny <laughs> and we're going to stick with this because till the end of this season at least because this is just dumb and if you want to hear our guests play the game with us during their interviews but because it um, is always a bit funky we've taken them out we've put them on our patreon so if you want to go to patreon.com forward slash songs the key of laugh um, then you can find out how our guests did playing this game. Yeah, it's, 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 it's very interesting. Game. It's not an easy game. No. So what um, happens is I give David the name of a an artist and a title of a song, and then he has to come up with a quick fire parody of it. And it's sort of the first thing that comes to mind, or it's usually scatological or something really. Yeah, bad. but this, this week, Phil, you're going first. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. And we're going to go with one of your favorites, Meatloaf. <laughs> Meatloaf. Meatloaf's not, Meatloaf. One my, not one of my favorites. Is he not but one of your favorites? I don't think so. I do. Oh. I mean, actually, it's hard to get away from those. Those are those veer into comedy song territory. I think. Ooh, okay. Well, this one. This one is. Um, I'd like you to do Paradise. Paradise by the Dashboard Light. <laughs> do you know Paradise, it? Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Okay. I think Meatloaf song. Paradise by the Dashboard Light. Paradise by the Dashboard Light by Meatloaf, and this is my quick fire parody. Okay. It is your quick fire parody. Okay. I I remember every little thing as it happened only yesterday. Parking by the farm, there was not another car in sight. Well, I never had a girl looking any better than you did. And all the kids at school were wishing we'd be that night. And now our bodies are cold and close and tight. <laughs> Don't know. It never felt so good. It never felt so right. And they were glowing like the metal on the edge of a knife Glowing like the metal on the edge of a knife Come on, hold tight Come on, hold tight Though it's cold and lonely in a deep dark night I can see a pair of radish by the dashboard light <laughs> <laughs> there ain't no doubt about it We were doubly blessed We were barely 17 And there was barely any salad dressing Oh, God. oh my god <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> I think so Well, that really wasn't as much of a parody as me singing the song and there's adding the words a pair of radish to the dashboard. I'm sorry, everybody. I genuinely <laughs> apologize. That might be worse than standby bees. That might be worse. But, um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty bad. And the, the bar was low. <laughs> okay. Well, let's see how you do then. All right. Um, you're doing Stevie Wonder. Okay. You're doing Stevie Wonder and you're going to do... Uh, Master Blaster. No, Superstition. Stevie Wonder Superstition. Superstition. Superstition by Stevie Wonder. Go on then. There is the, the, That's the one. We all know it. I know this. It's song. a quick fire parody game. And this is David doing <laughs> quick fire parody superstition. Very unnutritious. <laughs> chocolate bars very unnutritious pastries made with lard no? 
<laughs> but it is so tasty. You got to eat it all. Donuts made with custard. They make you fat, not tall. <laughs> if you eat all the things, then you better understand that you might suffer. Nutritious ain't the way. Okay. Yeah. Vegan. <laughs> Do you write comedy songs? Ever dream of being the next Tim Minchin? Or being Tim Minchin? That's weird. Yeah. Why not enter our Songs in the Key of Laugh comedy song competition and maybe appear on our podcast? With Tim Minchin. That's better. The Songs in the Key of Laugh comedy song competition. Enter today. Visit songsinthekeyoflaugh.com for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, that brings us to what it must be your favorite part of the the show. Well, every every part is my favorite well, that part. That seems Phil. to be. It's also my favorite part of the show because it's when we talk to our, well, normally we talk to our guest, but today we're talking to our guests Oh my God, there's, there's a plural. There's two of them. Whoa. One of them you'll know as Richard Thomas. And the other one you'll know as Suze Kempner. The guest on today's Sorry. show guest. is someone you might know. You and if you don't, that's your own fault. But you'll know them soon. Suze Kempner and Richard Thomas. Ah. It's Suze Kempner and Richard Thomas. Now, if you know Richard Thomas, you'll know that he was one of the people that brought us Jerry Springer, the musical. And if you know Suze Kempner, you'll know that she's a magically funny young comedian who one of my favorites and and also a brilliant singer and vocalist as well, which we're going to get to here on Songs in the Key of Love. Welcome to the podcast, you guys. Ooh, thank you. Thanks yeah. so much. Yeah. I'm drinking red wine and yes. enjoying my intro. I'm Suze. My voice is a bit rough today. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry, Richard's never off. <laughs> is red wine good for the voice? Do, are you... Does red wine a good thing for the voice? Red wine's a terrible thing for the voice, but oh. it's all right. It's only Richard's music. I'm globally acclaimed. Yeah, are. Well, no, well, I mean, uh, Richard, you're an Olivier Award winner. Yeah, that's, you know, just the I mean, one. I mean, that's... I was robbed of one, though, you know. It should be two, but I've, I've got one. <laughs> what, was, what were you robbed from? Well, okay, I think, right, and it's just, I, I did the libretto, which is basically a fancy term for words and lyrics for an opera. Right. They're all operas about the mm. life of Anna Nicole. It's fantastic. I went to New yes. York, went to Germany, all that place. And I, I it's just pathetic, right? But it was, it was <laughs> yeah. a good lesson. I did honestly make room on my little awards uh, cabinet place <laughs> for a second of because I thought, it's, a sh- it's an absolute shoe and there's no way yeah. he just can't win. Because, yeah. I mean, I wasn't even nominated. There was some of us on the team. <laughs> so it was, um, you know... It was a good what, lesson. What did you make? Did you make the space? Yeah, no, I did. I was thinking I can't. I just thought it was shooing. Well, I knew it was coming up. I thought, well, there's no, there's absolutely nothing else in the world of opera that could be any better than that. Anyway, so my hubris was rewarded <laughs> with a big kick in the nuts. <laughs> between <laughs> us, between us, we have one Olivier. <laughs> it's not about, and I learned a valuable lesson. It's not about the awards. If you're doing it for the awards, then you're, you know, you're a twat. Well, there we <laughs> go. Twat, as a twat, I, 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 
than you. If you're listening to this podcast while cleaning an area in your shelf <laughs> yeah, for an award, you're going to never win. <laughs> that's, that's what we've learned. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to tell you about the last award I won. Um, <laughs> oh, it, was, it was a runners-up runners um, trophy for a, uh, for a darts competition, <laughs> um, right, which I then left in my car, and somebody ransacked my car, took everything that was in it, and the one thing they left Runners up dance trophy. That's really sweet. (laughs) Because they were like, this is very special. I know I can't take this. Yeah, I can claim that they stole the Grammy, but um, it's not, not going to stand up in court, that. so yeah. <laughs> That would be, I mean, obviously, I haven't won anything like that, but I think winning a Mercury Music Prize or a Grammy would be, uh, is, would be an exceptional evening. That would You'd probably Trump. drink a lot of red wine. That would definitely uh, Trump. Oh, yeah. That would Trump and Olivier, wouldn't it? A, what, I a Grammy? So. A Grammy. A Grammy, I don't know, because I, I only found out what the Grammys were when I was a kid watching The Simpsons, and um, that Homer wins a Grammy, and a hotel guy <laughs> finds it and goes, oh, it's a Grammy, and he throws it in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> I know the episode. Yeah. Oh. So let, let's talk a little bit about comedy songs, because, I mean... This podcast sort of explores not just comedy songs like the basic, you know, Ernie the Fastest Milkman and stuff like that, but also the stuff that you've written. Between, well, you're writing a show together, which is why we have you on together. That's, is that right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, so, I shout ideas and then Richard turns them into songs and also has most ideas. of the ideas. <laughs> okay. And how far along is this show? Uh, is it written? Well, we've done about, there's probably about, actually, there's a ton of material. Uh, We've done about five or six gigs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, more, I think. Hang on. Seven or eight. Yeah, seven (laughs) seven or eight. And it's coming up to nine and ten in December. (laughs) And it was the sort of thing that's just been, how did it all start? We just kind of... um... Didn't you get asked to do it at that Notting Hill gig? And you went, oh, oh yeah, oh, oh I, shit, who can sing? Oh, I did sing. <laughs> Richard only like, knows one female singer. <laughs> no, I see. I remember, there was, of course, it was that. I completely forgot. Yeah. So I, in, the, in the first half, I wrote this piano thing, which is like a sort of, um, I'm writing these things called piano dramas, which are sort of like, uh, you know, uh, this, and then someone was called Rhapsody in You, where there's like sort of 20, uh, 20 little pieces with a, with a title, like, you know, like a sort of um, silent movie title put up. And in fact, I've done another one called The COVID-19 Variations. <laughs> hey. Oh, hey. And which Alison Jackson, the famous, you know, the, the great, uh, the artist is all those sort of um, looky-likey pictures, like the Queen on a loo with the knickers around her ankle and all that, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. She's doing, like, 19 films. She just did the Duran Duran 40th anniversary thing, and she's doing 19 little movies for these oh. little uh, 19 films. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That, was no. act, that was act one, and then act two, we did a show called Wrong Songs for Christmas. And then we did it again in Easter, and we called it Wrong Songs for Easter. Yeah. <laughs> and then we did it in Wrong in Summer, Wrong Songs in Summer. And I kept saying summer. to Sue, well, what's wrong with this title? And Sue's eventually said, why not just call it Wrong Songs? And yeah, let's wrong pretend. Songs. Just, yeah, that's it. I love Wrong Songs. Do you, what, are, what are some of the Wrong Songs? Do they have titles? Do these oh, they songs? all have titles. Oh, yeah, they got like... Um, uh, there were 90 in the show at one point. We could do got, some. Do you want some? Yeah, do you want to hear some? Yeah, why not? Yes, please. Really, okay, they could they cover these we're just gonna make some short ones. They cover all sort of stuff. So it could be like um this one's about the monarchy. Oh, the sky is blue and the grass is green. Billions live in poverty, but not the queen. Thank you much. Uh, <laughs> this one's called uh, Love Song Number One. I loved you from afar. A dog. Oh, yes. <laughs> this one's a song about semantics. Let me fuck you, 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 let me fuck you. What I'm trying to say is hello. Oh, yes. <laughs> this one's a blues. Wanna tell you a story? Well, I've turned to shit. On second thoughts, forget about it. Anyway, do you want any more? There's loads more like that. It just goes on forever. They're all long ones. I, I, what I love about that style of the presentation is that you can just do sort of non sequiturs amongst jokes 
and the whole thing becomes funnier and more ridiculous. Well, yeah, we we do actually do little sections, and I've done it basically like so. What what and where is in, in the end? It's also almost like turned into a musical about Sue's. So like um, <laughs> there's a, there's a Sue's I Want song, and there's a big Sue's Eleven O'clock number. So it's sort of you know you've got the classic you know opening number, you got an I Want song, you got a comedy patter song about drug you know drugs sort of um, Sue's drug of choice and all that sort of stuff, and going into a there's a big love ballad, and then there's a you know and in in between. You have all these little quick fire gags, bam, 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 bam. But they're all subject matters from death to health to mental health to you know I'm looking politics, at politics, love, all that, the whole lot. Yeah. So it's been quite, it's good fun. It's one of those things. It's sort of every you know, show is different. You know, every time you do it, it's slightly. Every different. show is different, but also the same. Also, no, most of the songs are the same. <laughs> <laughs> No, but it's, and, uh, it's, are, you, are you doing this show? Where, where are you going to be doing this show? We're doing the Battersea Art Centre with the Johnny Woo. Oh yeah, it's part of Johnny Woo's show. And then oh, wow. in December the sixteenth, seventeenth, yeah. it's at Above the Stag in Vauxhall. And one day, Carnegie Hall. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. And it won't be my first time in Carnegie Hall. <laughs> oh, did I drop that in? <laughs> oh, yeah, oh you've dragged it out of him. Suze, well, will this be your first time in Carnegie Hall? Yeah, it'd be my yeah. first time singing outside of uh, London, I think. <laughs> we have actually been invited to Vegas, so uh, and we were supposed to go, but I think they, they pulled the show because I think everyone's going to be nervous about COVID there. But this the wrong songs might become a brand in Vegas. <laughs> Which actually, actually, Vegas is very interesting because of the comedy and stuff like that at the moment. There's, they, they, there are little sort of gigs and stuff and, and little mini shows popping up all over the place that sort of like uh, complement those giant kind of circulate soleil shows and stuff. Yeah, I, I, I spent, I went actually out there to audition for Absinthe. Cause yeah, I saw for, that show. Yeah, you're yeah. looking at that. Yeah. Well, they're looking for the new gazillionaire, the, the host of the yeah. show. I didn't get it. But, That's a shame um, they, they, you were, you were, flew you were me out. Yeah, yeah. I know, right? It's a great, it's a great getting. little show, though. Yeah, I saw that. And there it's, was a the, really, um, it's a really fun show. Yeah. But uh, alongside those shows, we also noticed I met a lot of people living in the community out there. Yeah. And there's a lot of British people performing in shows out there. And they, um, Amy Saunders has a show that she does with Cardboard, um, which yeah. is like a game show, like a, oh, like a right. really cheap game show. But she does it in the casino. Yeah. And it's just a really fun, silly weird little show and I think those shows can take off so something like wrong songs yeah. in the right room and you have, I mean, you'll be performing like nine shows a week but you'll, hmm. you'll make you know you'll make a nice uh, local audience for yourself and that I think that would be really great I mean there's also there are quite a lot of really good places outside of the casinos I think there's a, yeah. my, my mate's a sort of composer out there and he um, there's a sort of composer's workshop which has um, been going for about I don't know about 10 years sort of thing and they have quite mm-hmm. a big following all these new you know well there's a little local composers and stuff or whatever try stuff out or a few people flying from New York so it's interesting where scenes develop you know mm. and I think I'm, I bang on a, a lot about this you know because of um Say you know because Manhattan is so expensive. You no, know, New York yes. basically everything I love about comedy and music and blue, blues and jazz and everything comes from New York. But there's because mm-hmm. uh, that was the great scene, wasn't it? And art, you know, from the yeah. '60s onwards. But now, forget it. It's like a museum. It's like a sort of. It's like a sort of apart from Broadway. Really, it's just a kind of. It's a theme park. So, mm-hmm. but where do, where does the talent go and where do those exciting? It's a bit you know. Anyway, it's a bit like here in London, isn't it? I mean, where do people go? Are they going to Margate? Are they going to you know Hastings? Where right. are these little Bristol? Obviously, is another one. Where are yeah. where are these things starting up? And it's kind of fascinating to sort of you know. I th- I say. thought Bristol when I first moved here, which is now about twenty five years ago. I thought Bristol was one of those places where <clears throat> you had happening music scenes because it yeah. was cheap to live there. Yeah. And when I in Canada, we, we, Toronto is like one of the the big cities. But if you go where I went to uh, acting school, it's called Windsor, right across the river from. Detroit, but it was like a it was like a motor town. But that's where all of the punk rockers and all yeah. the poets and all the dance companies and anyone that wanted to do make their own art would live there because it was really really cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why Detroit the Detroit music scene took off because with you know, yeah, Jack right. White, the White Stripes, and all that stuff mm-hmm. because that yeah. was really cheap, really really cheap and quite dangerous place to live. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. No, it makes sense. I mean, I suppose yeah. I mean, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how, we, it all, how it all comes out on the other side of this uh, pandemic, you know, uh, whether that has any kind of impact just in terms of all, all the kind of empty properties around and empty office spaces, just shit like that, whether that has sort of impacts at all. I don't know. Yeah. Really. Mm. Well, it's, I mean, I, I've always 
being thought that there's not enough, there isn't enough singers, there's not enough music, there's not enough musicians, there's not enough comedy, there's not enough art. Then the hopefully what will happen in the pandemic is people will have had time to kind of rediscover the thing that they like doing when they're left alone with nothing to do. I mean, David Lynch, the film director, uh, wrote a piece in, I think it was The Atlantic or something like that. And, you know, he's he's into transcendental meditation and all that sort of jazz. Yeah, yeah. And, um, he's a foundation and everything. But he wrote this piece saying that he thought the pause in life would be a good thing for um, the spirit or the soul, whatever, mm-hmm. his idea, whatever his ideas, that people will become start to realize what's important in their lives, their families, their friends, food. You know the very basic things that we that we rush through and take for granted on our way to try and create something that's really memorable, when actually those are the things that we should be concentrating on. So maybe that has happened. Yeah, I went, went certainly when lockdown first hit. I went oh, I better start putting stuff online immediately because I figured just just for a moment the whole of the whole of the uh, comedy scene certainly the playing field leveled just a little bit so I went right it's time to I, I mean I was filming videos the day they announced uh, that we won't be making any more EastEnders and it'll be down <laughs> to two a week I went right and I went home that day and filmed my first stupid EastEnders sketch because um, I was like, well, uh, I'm at home. I might as well be doing that. And I think I saw a lot of comedians doing similar. Yeah. Well, you, you got a great, you got a big following then uh, from your YouTube stuff, didn't you? You've got you've got loads and loads of videos on there, and and yeah. doing such a different array of different skits, and then some of your like musical impressions as well. Well, the largely oh. the Liza Trump thing is genius. That's well, like, it was a, yeah, it was. I mean. People went, oh, how did you come up with that? It's just like, well, it is just Liza saying the words of Donald Trump. So I don't think it's anything (laughs) smart, especially as it was all written by Donald Trump. But I don't know, that caught on in America too, because it's so ridiculous. It becomes like, oh, brilliant. And there were people going, oh, this is the only way I can stomach Trump's words. Now, unfortunately, he got voted out. Uh, (laughs) So I can't do that anymore. Uh, Unfortunately for me. Um, Basically, but if people don't know in the podcast, like, and so Susan's very modest. Susan would take the, the speeches of Donald Trump and do them as Liza Minnelli, and it got hundreds of thousands of views. And yeah. and big press got press in the New York Times, and it got press in the uh, uh, LA Times, and all that sort of stuff. It got um, so uh, it was it was a real kind of hit, uh, you know, and it's very funny. Thanks. Well, yeah. it's a, it's Does that a, sound genuine? Yeah, almost. <laughs> oh, come on. It's a <laughs> genuine. Is this scripted? Did you guys script this bit? Almost. I like torturing Suze because you can't take a compliment. So the more you compliment, <laughs> it's a I know this about Suze. No, how, do you guys, how did you guys meet each other? It wasn't through that, was it? You've known no. each other for it a long time. It was Johnny Woo's All-Star Cabaret. Johnny Woo's All-Star Brexit Cabaret, which uh, I which did in Edinburgh a couple of years ago. Um, it was John- 2017. Yeah, Johnny yeah, yeah. Johnny right. decided he needed uh, just a female musical theatre singer to be in it. And the, Johnny Wu is huge in the world of uh, cabaret and drag. Drag, um, yeah. And uh, in that world, I'm the only standard, put in quotation marks, musical theatre <laughs> singer. So I was the only choice. <laughs> uh, I oh. saw you in this. Oh, I've did just you see remembered. it? Did you see it? Yeah, I, I saw it. I saw it. Um, I saw it twice. I saw it once. Once in Edinburgh. I saw it at the Soho Theatre yeah, as well. You just came to Soho. <laughs> and uh, with Ke- Kevin. Um, yes. Ke- yes, Ke- Kevin. Kevin, good Kevin Davis. Uh, Anna Pershard. Yeah. Anna yes. Pershard. That's right. Yeah. yeah, at the Soho, we did it with the, the. There's like a. There's a way of doing it with ten singers. There's a way of doing it with five. So there's I a, do it with three. There's a way. <laughs> Yeah, we did have to do it three ones. Yeah, it's Johnny is like the host of the whole show, and he sings. Uh, and then there's me, Adam Pashad, and Kevin Davis. We were um, playing various parts. So I would come on as David Cameron, and then again as Angela Merkel, and then at the end as Theresa May. That is which dates the show, doesn't it? Yeah. It was the big Theresa May. I guess finale. the story that was quite good about it was that it was Johnny's. Um, uh, because his parents voted were very very happy Brexiteers, it was kind mm. of um, looking at all that and uh, how his relationship is sort of um, well, continued with yeah. his father and uh, and just and just getting the comedy out of that. It worked really well actually, wasn't mm. it? So it was. Uh, 
that sort of softened the thing rather than just saying, oh, Brexiteers, I can't. Yeah. The musical was really interesting because it had... Um, it was one of those things that, oh, it dared. Obviously, we were on a remain bent. That was the way it was leaning. But it pointed out that, yeah, we're better off in the EU, but there's plenty of problems with it, which I think many people didn't dare to do during the referendum. And it, if they had, it might have had a different outcome. Oh, <laughs> if you didn't just go, it's the panacea to all our ills, because people don't trust that, and it's not true. Um, yeah. But, yeah, the, the musical basically said, yeah, we're better off in the EU than out of it. What the hell are you talking about? Well, it's, but it's gone, so you've got to let it go. I can't let go. Let it go. Let it I go. love you. Let it go. <laughs> yeah. When you, when you <laughs> think back into... Because when you think back of the protest songs of the 60s or or even going back to before that um you know this machine kills fascists all the protest songs and comedy songs and musical comedy songs have always been on the cutting edge of the politics of trying to change politics of change um because you need to have anthems and comedy songs are fun are a way of poking fun at these people i was thinking even spitting image remember them doing um, parodies of songs or using songs. I think what, did they were in the Frankie Goes to Hollywood video or something. Anyway, but but just the the idea that you can change minds. Not that it's highfalutin, but that you can change well, what, minds. What was that amazing? The one of my, my favourite one was, was, you know, Boris Johnson is a fucking cunt. Is a fucking, remember that? What was oh, that yeah, yeah, that yeah. That was completely brilliant, wasn't and it? And there was a, like a viral YouTube. Boris is it? a fucking cunt. Boris Johnson is a fucking cunt. He's a fucking cunt. I want to say it was Cunt and the Gang. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, no, cunt James knows. Gang. James knows. Cunt and the Gang. Yeah, I love Cunt and the Gang. It is such a funny song, and it's and it's and it's really clever because it just goes to this uh, the the kind of key mapping is just great. So it's just constant. It's very kind of a music theatre in a way because it's just got this. You've just got this key change after key change after key change, and it's sort of uh, with a few little my and it's just it's so puerile. It's perfect. It's and perfect because it's, it's about him <laughs> and it's repetitious and all that. But it's like but there's something that's very honest about it and mm. really funny. That, mm. Uh, and, you know, I don't know if you sort of analysed it, which would you know kills it obviously. But, I mean, um, <laughs> it, it comedy, comedy bears much analysis. <laughs> well, this, but this is the thing about comedy. Uh, comedy songs, though, that immediacy of that song means that it's uh, it can be puerile and it can yeah. be scatological or it can be uh, childish because you know we we've been talking on this episode already about. Child, childhood songs childhood songs tend to be about wee and poo mm. yeah, and sure. things that make children laugh fart jokes or me laugh in general still <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah well I think people do are attracted to that kind of thing mm. um, it speaks to our sort of puerile self I mean you're obviously trained no, uh, I've got a um, b- no, I've got a B at O level music. So I, <laughs> I was a real grubby, wow. I was a real Seriously? grubby autodidact. But I used to, um, I mean, I can, I was into heavy metal big time. Uh, I when the sex when the I mean obviously I'm boomer a bit like not quite you know I'm a bit older young, than you young Phil. boomer bit, old you know, Gen X I'm old boomer as well I know <laughs> and uh, so when I was there when punk you know was uh, when first kind of came you know yeah. just exploded on the scene and that was incredible liberation and then I heard about the age I heard um, Miles Davis kind of blue. Uh, mm. Which absolutely changed my life. I mean, it was. Uh, I remember hearing that, yeah. and I just, I just couldn't believe in hearing the, all those Bill Evans kind of piano voicings and stuff. I couldn't believe how amazing it was. Also, then when I was fifteen, I saw a legendary production of Guys and Dolls at the National, um, and that back in those days. Me and my twin, we kind of got, went to London. We slept outside the National all night, right, with about 300 people because all the tickets were, like, two quid. And, you, could, you know, and in the morning, all the cast came out and they were sort of juggling Ooh. and shit like this and da da da, da. Anyway, so we, we get... Uh, and the, in the evening, the show was unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it to this day. The atmosphere was incredible. Every, every number was encored and encored, even the lesser-known numbers. And Sit Down, You're Rocking the Boat had five encores. And at the point, the, 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 you know, the cast were going, Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! And of course, this was our first musical we'd ever been to, me and my twin. I thought, fuck me, man. Mm. This is a genre. I mean, I want, this is what I want, you know. And I thought every show was like that. (laughs) Oh, wrong, I was. 
and you know, and in a way, I, I, and it's pathetic to say, but I've always I've been trying to recreate that night. Oh. And you know, that's and in a way that was the the thing about you know, I guess with say something like Jerry Spring the Opera, which I think is scandalously funny and all that sort of stuff, mm. but there's a big heart to it, and I was always very keen to you know to sort of um, uh, get as much I don't know. It sounds virtuosity in a way, but also, uh, 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 which, and it's a tough score. People always, yeah. you know, they moan their lungs up about how tough, but if you get it right, it's almost throwaway, but there's a, there's a sort of, there's a lot of skill that's required, which of course is comic timing, you know, mm. as well. Anyway, yeah. that was a long answer to something or other. Was that, yeah. <laughs> Richard, you, you mentioned uh, Jerry Springer, and I have to ask, how how did the idea come up? Um, first of all, who who kind of thought about it, um, and then and then how did you bring it into to, to what it is? I did well. There's um, uh, I just written this little uh, piece called Tourette's Diva, which I did for Battersea Arts Centre. It was like um, uh, this um, really hideous piece of work which was like it was, I was I, I thought you know I thought I'm going to be avant-garde I'm going to write the most uncommercial thing I can imagine on the the on the grounds that maybe it would really be commercial sort of thing but also I'd been doing a lot of tv a lot of MD and tv and I'd sort of got I'd hated that and I thought I'm going to do something live that's just absolutely fuck you the world sort of thing anyway so I wrote this thing Tourette Steve one, one opera singer and me and the piano and it, it stormed it it was really funny and I thought god how is this getting laughs this is a love deserved laughs it's you know visceral feral you know expletive ridden uh, and then on the back then uh, Banister Arts Centre said well, what do you want to do next and um, I sort of went away for a few months and then I I'd come back from gigs and I'd watch Joe Spring's show and it used to be very, um, uh, you know, it was bleeped out, so all the cussing was sort of bleeped out. And remember, the, in those days, it, that was such a kind of shock show still to come out of America. Yeah. This was... Uh, people forget. Uh, but I remember watching one episode and thinking, God, this is really annoying. It's all bleeped out. There's eight people screaming at each other. I can't understand a word they're saying. I'm there, I, I, you know, you're destroying my voyeurism. I feel guilty about it. And then it suddenly went, fuck, this is what I want to do. It's like... Um, uh, it's, it's kind of eight people singing at the same time, can't understand what they're saying. It's opera, you know. <laughs> but also, you know, uh, but, but I, was, I was smart enough to know also I love my music theatre so much. You're gonna, you could go, um, I'm going to call it an opera, but actually it's kind of a musical, really. Mm. Which is, uh, you know, so it's consciously written for music theatre voices and then a few opera voices. And then mm. they were great. Um, uh, Battersea Arts Centre, well, here's a space, just, you know, try out a few gags. So it was me, first time was me on a piano, just trying a few, and, you know, mumbling on. Then second time was me and a couple of singers. And then that got some press traction. This is in front of 50 people. And then the next time was mm. me and a few more songs and maybe four singers. And then somebody said, mm. boom, let's, um, we'll pay the money for one act version. And then, to, then went to Edinburgh with two out of version, and the national came and picked it up, and boof, we were off to the races. That took about two years, which is quick in music oh, theatre. Yeah. Yes, it's super quick. I got really? one show at the moment, right? It took me ten years to sell the fucker, and another show, <laughs> which is just, uh, which I decided in lockdown, another show, which took ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you did you score the whole did you score the whole thing as well? I worked, we, we were speaking we, we were speaking to Tim Minchin. Um, last week about um, the way that he'd done Matilda, um, and he said that he had uh, uh, he made all of these wonderful themes, but then he had an orchestrator to thread them all through. But um, I, I'm guessing your your background is such that did you orchestrate it yourself? No, I tell you what I did was with all these things. It's once it's uh, you tend to you'll get it or you'll always get an orchestrator in because they with West End stuff. You need someone who's very smart who can get six people in the band and make them sound like 20, and that requires keyboard programmers and all that sort of stuff. But also, even um, because you do changes right to the last minute, um, it's been a very kind of Broadway thing or uh, that that in the team you'll have, um, you know, you'll always have an orchestra orchestrator there. This, in this case, was a guy called Martin Kosh who did Mamma Mia and all these stuff and Billy Elliot, yeah. but he was a big jazzer himself, so he knows the language and he can really, you know, he's got the chops. But um, but even Bernstein on West Side Story and stuff, they'd have additional orchestrators and stuff in because um, it's so last minute. You need this, you're, you're responding to, you know, um, um, uh, preview audiences and changing. And if you're, you know, there's just not the time to, like, compose and then orchestrate. But what mm -hmm. I give is a very, very 
tight, dense piano score, piano vocals, and I'll do a lot of the other vocal arrangements because that's where you're looking for all those kind of BV moments of like, you know, gold and little bits of, uh, you know, people chipping in, you know, like it's, uh, so I like, I like to do all that sort of stuff. That, that's what that's what makes the that's what makes the show in in my opinion it's all of the 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 really quick swear word coming from over here um but it's done in like eight part harmony my my my, my partner is an opera singer oh, um, oh, and um <clears throat> many many years ago i remember waking up one morning and her just going chick with a d yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to uh, sort of serve the same question up to Suze because you are a tra- you're trained though you went to Royal Academy yeah I but initially um I, I don't come from I don't come from family money so and when I was going to drama school you had to pay for it like there were yeah. there weren't um it wasn't like going away and doing your English degree and getting a student loan that wasn't an option so I went and did a script writing degree which is a very sensible <laughs> very sensible degree and in my it was in my second year at uni so we're what 2004 2005 they showed Jerry Springer on television um wow. And I remember watching it really late at night and I'd been, I was meant to be doing an essay that I had absolutely zero passion for. And I put it down and watched the whole of Jerry Springer. And I mm. remember just going like, ah, oh, no, I still definitely want to do musical theatre. Oh, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> Is it too late to apologise? So, te- so technically, like if you told 19-year-old me that um, when you're uh, 36, you will yeah. be working with Richard Thomas, I'd yeah, be so like, a room drinking red wine, drinking red wine, red wine and talking on one about of the most popular song <laughs> comedy songwriting podcast. That's it, exactly. Yeah, if you told me that, I'd have gone. I really. <laughs> <laughs> is that? Do your family sing? Are you from a family no, of singers? Um, my mum is a dressage rider. <laughs> uh, there aren't really singers. It, yeah, that's her real job. Um, there aren't really singers in the family. My uncle on my mum's side is. Is a reasonable singer. He's okay. Um, there's there aren't really singers in the family, so it's weird okay. that me and my brother we're the only singer singers. I would say yeah. out of all the Kempners and the Schneiders, that's both sides. Um, but we both are like proper musical theatre singers. So I don't know yeah. how it happened. I don't know what the mix of DNA that created that was. But uh yeah, it was just I just loved it. I was se- I remember being 7 years old. They went uh right, you all go off to assembly now at Burstow Primary School. All go off to assembly now unless you want to try out to sing at the beginning of the Christmas concert. I thought, well, I'll just do that because then I don't have to go to assembly and I got the solo at the beginning of the Christmas concert and I went, oh, I see, that's a thing. I can do a... Mm. I can... I can sing a song. That's a thing. And then it what says... What was the thing, song? <laughs> Once in Royal David City, oh, the ultimate yeah. Jewish carol. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, so, yeah, so, just... So, I, I, but I didn't realise. I, I didn't know until then, like, oh, that's a singing. You can be a singer if you want. Um, I wasn't very good. I was seven. <laughs> well, you must have been. You must have been pretty good because you're still for, doing like for it a seven year old. It wasn't like, oh, look who's here. It's Barbara Streisand. <laughs> 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 you, know, you also see these young kids who are amazing singers. You see them on the X Factor, The Voice, or, or even before that. <clears throat> you see them blowing people away with their voice, and then they become teenagers and just lose it yeah it does happen (laughs) yeah yeah i guess i like but i always really 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 loved it and uh like my mum got me on horses from i was a year old i I wasn't even really talking before she got me on a horse (laughs) it's probably really dangerous actually because they were big horses too but uh she like if i'd basically if I'd wanted a career in dressage, I had all the contacts, <laughs> but I was I was never, ever good enough. And I wasn't ever going like, I want to be a professional dressage rider. So but singing, I always loved it. Always, always loved well, it. I feel a show coming on. <laughs> Can you mix those together, Richard? Do dressage... <laughs> 
do a thing where the horses dance to Sue's singing? Oh, that oh. could happen with me on the horse. Horses yeah. don't. Horses don't do eight show week. It's <laughs> <laughs> a, a real problem, you know. <laughs> They're divas. <laughs> divas. But Susan's a very. I tell what's good about Sue's. I'm going to now give her Susan another compliment. Which is I don't like cool. it. Just cut, cut, you know, close your ears. It's like, <laughs> she's got a stupendous technique, and of course she's got comic timing, which is brilliant. Yeah. So, but she's got yeah. a really good technique, and she can read music. Thanks. So it's great. So for little nerds like me who go, I'm be like, well, actually, I think it should be the rest should be a sixteenth there. How do we get the sixteenth? Oh, I go. I go. Okay. But, you know, uh, she's got it, and just like it's just, and it's all about you know, uh, brick wall tempi changes and shit like that, and just going, especially with these little small gags, you're, you're knocking them out like they're nothing, but they're sort of yeah. leaps of keys and uh, tempi and stuff like that, and they're just, yeah. um, and that takes a great deal of skill, which of course. <laughs> It has to look as though it's effortless. So it's the art, art, the art behind That's the art. That's dressage. It but, has to look like you're doing <laughs> yeah. nothing. But no one wants to watch dressage. <laughs> thing. I do. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, that's that's so. Scoots has a level of skill which is very very rare. Well, thank you, Richard. And comic timing. Also, she knows what's it like. What it's like to die in front of a crowd. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That's yeah. Good. Not all the time. No, quite, quite often. <laughs> But no. basically, I finished my script writing degree and I ended up going to Royal Academy of Music. And thank goodness I did. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. otherwise, I, if I hadn't, I'd have, I'd have 15 grand. <laughs> Instead, I got to lose all that. That's quite a lot, isn't it? No, yeah. it, was, it, it was 11 grand. But. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you had a kind of legendary course and there's a lot of, you know... Yeah, the musical theatre... One year at the, they do one course, thirty people at the Royal Academy of Music, and certainly when I was trying to do it, it was like the course. Mm. I don't really know. They changed tiers. The drama degree. It's probably arts ed now, but um, the RAM course was enough to make people go, "Oh, you went to RAM." You're like, "Yeah, but we were also thirty idiots who used to go to Weatherspoons on a Friday night and mm. drink till it closed." It's, um, I didn't. When we were there, I didn't go like, "What a special group of people," because drama students aren't like <laughs> but the training was excellent the training is very very good there yeah yeah I know I've got no training but I had <laughs> but I had the best no training um, possible <laughs> you know. so who, who did you did someone so you're self-taught but obviously as David you're you're not self-taught are you David you're you went to I'm, you trained I, I no, I didn't. No, no, I'm self self. You so, so I, I had I had you... piano teachers, but so, that that was it. I didn't go to university till. Right. I, so used to be, I, I used to be. I, I got I got, I got I got a D in my A level, oh. and then I went. Uh, and then I thought, I got a C at music A level. <laughs> C, there you go. And and now and now, what do we do? We do music. Exactly. So if any any children listening, number one, you shouldn't be. Um, and number two, if you fail, you can still you can still have a podcast. And number three, check out Cunt and the Gang. <laughs> it's a great song. They all trained. Oh, yeah. Cunt and the um, Gang are all trained. But you know what it's like. You learn on the job. You know, it's like in the end. Like I mean, you know, does anyone and learn how to be a comedian. I mean, you know, I mean, you've done tons of stuff. It's like, who teaches anybody to actually... Yeah, you just you got know, to do it, haven't you? Uh, in a way. But, but also, I think there is a... Um, especially with writing shows, it's... Um, uh, ignorance is very helpful, I think, in the early stages. I know now... I now know a lot about music theatre, about structure, and about, you know, songcraft and all that sort of stuff. But back then, I didn't have a clue. But I sort of had big, big hunches. And, of course, because you do comedy... And I used to do a double that for about eight or nine years. I was used to the, you know, get, you know, get to the, get to the point as quick as you can. Make sure it's funny. Don't hang around, or else you're fucked, you know. And that was a very useful skill. It turned out when you're going into music theatre because uh, I, I also did. I was MD on a show which was a massive flop um, up in Edinburgh. I had a lot of money spent on it, and every number had like an intro of about sort of 16 bars, and it was just, you know, and, and I was positioned as the keyboard. I could see the audience, and I had the band, and people would come and see the show because it was so shit. They'd be like, oh, and you could see these. Uh, and, and a great friend of mine, who's actually sadly just died recently, he was a brilliant, brilliant producer, and he said, because uh, I was depressed after about a week, I was like, oh, God, this is really sick. He goes, no, no, Rich, this is where you're going to learn how to write a show. And it was. So the combination of doing comedy and then doing this show where every where you just go, forget about the intros, which is why I still have a sort of psychological um, <laughs> fear of in the, you know, the intro. You know, the, uh, 
There's none of that. It's just like, off you go, off you go, sing it now, no, no. If I ask for a bell note, I get slapped. Slap you, guys, I'll slap you in the teeth. Anyway, it's all it's very fascinating, all that process and all that. I, I, I find it endlessly fascinating. And comic well, timing, I mean, endlessly you know, fascinating. The, the reason David and I, when we met on our walk and decided to make this podcast, is not just for it to be like a dumb, funny, let's listen to silly comedy songs because they are brilliant, but also talk to people about how they go about making it. I have one more question that I'd like to ask um, and that is do either of you have a favourite comedy song that, that that you've heard or that maybe inspired you? Oh my god well I, I, I grew up um, watching a lot of Victoria Wood uh, but I think the thing that inspired me most that is musical comedy and people would f- probably forget that is uh, Steve Coogan did a live show in the late 90s called The Man Who Thinks He's It. Mm. You ever see this? And I was a teenager. Yeah. We had the VHS at home because my parents are big comedy fans. And yeah. the, he does he does a bunch of songs in that show. Mm. And they're all like, it's all by Steve Brown. Yeah, and they're brilliant. like yeah, yeah. good, really good comedy songs. And Steve Coogan's quite musical. Um, yeah. So you buy them as well. You buy it as mm. a as a song performed by that character and uh yeah the tony farino character this isn't like my favorite steve coogan character but the, the songs are really funny there's one called lap dancing lady and it mm. it, it sounds just like a naff pop song but it's really it funny does. yeah tony farino, i think tony farino had his own didn't tony farino have his own show yeah i think there was a he had a tv special didn't he oh, yeah. yeah yeah i i remember the not in the mind like news comedy uh, songs i think that was my first real kind of a uh, exposure mm. that you know boomer mm. time and, um, <laughs> but they were very cool so you you'd watch those and you'd be in the you know playground the next day or whatever and you know people would sing a bank and people going oh you know joking about and loving the comedy mm. song you know well i so, i just went to see uh, at the park theater in finsbury park at harry hill has working on uh, a yeah, musical yeah. Uh, tony blair the With rock Charlie. musical and it's steve, steve brown, brown yeah, is, yeah. Yeah. He's brilliant. is yeah, the composer yeah. And it's very, very funny with Charlie Baker. It's super. It's it's still obviously in the workshop stage, but that is going to be fantastic, I think. So, and maybe the next. It might be the next Jerry Springer. Who knows? Well, we'll see. <laughs> I uh, I'm, I'm doing a musical with Grayson Perry, like the Grayson Perry musical. What? We just did. Wait, because we did a two week workshop on the National a couple of weeks ago, and Sue's. Played the mother. I was Grayson's mother. Yeah. Feels a little bit like. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm doing something too. Well, I'm doing something. Yeah. Oh, what am I? What am I? What am I? What am I? What's it called? What's this? What's the piece? Well, I think actually, good question. I'm not quite sure what it's called. Grayson, the musical. At the moment, it's called Grayson the musical. I'm sure we'll. That's the okay. the working title. <laughs> It's a good title. We need to do our wrap up with you guys. You, you guys, you, thank you so much for coming. Oh, on thank to, you for coming on to the podcast. Um, <laughs> it has been, it has, it's been so wonderful to have you. Thank you, and it's been so wonderful oh. to meet you as well. And Aww. you, thanks for having us. It brings us. us to our favorite part of the episode, where we get our guest artists to sing a little song or do a little performance. And you already been doing that, but um, we wondered if you would be interested in singing, performing something a little little more long form for us Ooh. oh my goodness Ooh, my would you want to do or something this. what would you like we're going to do uh, Princess Mar- Jazz Reflections on Princess Michael of Kent sung by Kate Bush so it's Jazz Reflection <laughs> Princess Michael of Kent sung by Kate Bush followed by a thing called Tears of a Clown it's a pandemic oh, song oh yeah but it, Tears. It, it was back you remember when we back had then. lockdown tears not funny but it's quite it's nice it's quite retro it's quite nice and then we could do yeah so we should do that, that then, those will do those, those will do, do. Yeah. okay here we go this is cool Jazz uh, Reflection don't play the piano too loud though oh, sh- oh my goodness I can't believe it I'm, I've got six run reviews in the New York Times over the years <laughs> and you're telling me that, you know, I'm just saying <laughs> It's in the music theatre section and the opera section. Why? How was you in the opera section? Okay, no. All right. Jazz Reflections on Princess Michael of Kent, sung by Kate Bush. Princess Michael of Kent, what the fuck is it you do? Seriously, I've got no clue. So why don't you tell me true, Princess Michael of Kent? What the fuck is it you do, Princess Michael of Sounds like cunt for a reason. 
Princess Michael of Kent. This is the tears to climb. Oh, God. I've been drinking. I can't do it. That one. Let's do that one. Oh, yeah. You're the little lamb at the height of its frisk. You're the cream that just holds its shape on the whisk. You're the funny punchline to my gentle joke. You're the perfect poached egg with a runny yolk. You're my imaginary boyfriend. I imagine you. Thank you for joining us on Songs in the Key of Laugh. We Thank you guys. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. It was fun. Thank you. Goodbye, adios, farewell. You'll be glad to hear that we think that your interview went well. But we have other things to get on with now, so you're going to have to go. I'm sure our pars will cross again, but whoever really knows. It's been fun, it's been musical, it's been comical at times. But now we have to leave you, so goodbye. Goodbye. Well, that was uh, Suze Kempner and Richard Thomas here on Songs in the Key of Laugh. I loved it. I, yeah. I absolutely loved interviewing them. And we are getting some serious, serious names on this show yeah, at the it's moment. it's been pretty darn good. Richard, I mean, he, he wrote the Jerry Springer opera. Yeah, he did. That is, that is incredible. And if you want to hear more or see more of Richard Thomas or Suze Kempner, why not visit Suze at her website, suzekempner.co.uk, or Richard Thomas at his website, richardthomascreative.com. Or why not go and see their show at the BAC? Wrong songs. Wrong songs. Wrong songs. Please keep on sending in your songs for the Songs in the Key of Laugh comedy song contest at songsinthekeyoflaugh at gmail.com. And remember to support the podcast at patreon.com forward slash songsinthekeyoflaugh. Or coffee... Dot com songs the key of laugh. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.